The Cypher Film Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Cyphora Film Podcast. Um, I am, and he is, and we are. So there you go. Hello, Scott. How are you doing? I'm all right. Feeling good. good, good, good feeling good. very annoyed because I'm feeling very annoyed because I have come on the camera and realised that I am in desperate need of a haircut. You don't have mirrors in your house. Yes, but I don't use them because I I know what I look like, and I don't. Well, actually, I technically I've got two. One's in the bathroom, and one's at the top of the stairs. I try and avoid the one that's at the top of my stairs with a passion because it freaks me out, especially if I go up there late at night because of the way that it's angled. And the one in the bathroom is at such a dodgy angle. I if I look at it, I end up with back pain. Okay. See, I know what I look like as well, but sometimes I have to use a mirror to do things like wash or oh, no, I do. have a shave or, or, or yeah, brush my I don't hair. Shave. You can, as people that can see this video can tell, I don't shave. Well, I do, and I still look just as rough as you. It's terrible. I anyway. Rough. Um, enough of this witless banter. Witty repartee. Let's get on with things. This week on the Cyphora Film Podcast, we are doing something unusual and extreme. Yeah, we're going to talk about films that we actually like. No. <laughs> no, we're certainly not going to do that. Um, <laughs> what we are going to do is, uh, I, I searched long and hard for films that have, uh, you have a film and then you only have one sequel rather than an entire series of Dreadful sequels. This has only got one dread. Oh, no, this has only got one sequel. Um, it's difficult to find them, especially with science fiction stuff. I find uh, and horror. You know, actually, it's difficult anyway. But we, I did it. Yes, so we are going. To, we are going to be reviewing two feature films. Uh, both of them science fiction films. Or, well, I would say obviously, but that's not necessarily true. But uh, two science fiction films. Uh, one of which is the sequel to the other. Obviously, the second one is the sequel to the first. I was going to say, it could be a prequel. It could be, yeah, but still, the oh. other one would, the, the prequel, the one after the prequel, would still be the sequel to the prequel. No, if the prequel comes after the film, yeah, but the prequel or a prequel. Exactly. The pre even though the prequel will come afterwards, it's still meant to be set before the original film. So the original film would then be the prequel. The sequel, I meant to. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's not. So <laughs> let's get on with things. Right, the very first film that we will be doing is the 1992 sci-fi film, The Lawnmower Man. Now, uh, this uses the title 
of a Stephen King short story, even though it really has nothing to do with the Stephen King short story, apart from the fact that there's a man in it who cuts grass and there is a lawnmower involved. They're the only two things that have anything to do with the original story. And Stephen King actually went to court to get his name taken off the film. Well, <laughs> because... To be honest, even, even if this, well, seeing the film, I'm not surprised, even if it wasn't the fact that it was just that that random snippet of information from his, his story that he wrote, it was just that. I still would have had my name taken off this film. Yes. So, yes anyway. <laughs> right, so... Uh, this film was directed by Brett Leonard. Uh, now, we've already talked about Brett Leonard. Uh, Brett Leonard did The Dead Pit in 1989. Uh, he did a load of music videos for people like Peter Gabriel and Billy Idol and people like that. Uh, he did Hideaway in 1995, Virtuosity in 1995, which we've already covered, uh, Man Thing in 2005, uh, Feed in 2005. Uh, he did the TV movie of Highlander, The Source in 2007, and... Um, a film called Dark Star, which there's no date for, but I don't quite know what it is. So there you go. He also uh, helped to write the screenplay uh, for the film, uh, along with uh, Gimmel Everett, who also wrote the screenplay for The Dead Pit in 1989. So there you go. Let's go on to the cast now. The cast, uh, the star of the show, as it were, is Jeff Fahey, who did lots of TV shows and things like that uh, to start off with. He was in Psycho 3 in 1986, Out of Time 1989, Body Parts in 1991, Serpent's Lair in 1995, Dark Man 3 in 1996, Johnny 2.0 in 1997, Time Under Fire 1997, Revelation in 1999. Uh, he did a TV series called Wolf Lake. Uh, and he did uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, did Unspeakable in 2002, Fallen Angels in 2002, Dark Hunters in 2004, Corpses in 2004, Crimson Force in 2005, Locusts and the Eighth, Locusts, the Eighth Plague in 2005, Planet Terror in 2007, The Sacred 2012, Beneath in 2013, and he was in Alita Battle Angel in 2019 and The Long Night in 2022. Yes, so lots of, uh, lots of big name films. Um, <laughs> then, of course, we have Pierce Brosnan. Now, Pierce Brosnan is probably best known to people for being James Bond for quite a few years. Uh, he started off in the TV series of the Hammer House of Horror. Yes. Uh, he was in Nomads in 1986, Mars Attacks in 1996, uh, World's End in 2013, Black Adam in 2022. I don't think he's actually come out yet. No, it hasn't yet. As far as I think yeah. that in August, maybe, maybe July. Uh, July other, other than that, between like 1986 and 19, uh, between 1992, actually, 1992, he did James Bond stuff. Uh, James Bond stuff. Yeah, I remember it's probably one of the last films he did before he did Bond, I think. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm, I'm surprised. Probably he got to Bond try and get after. away from sci fi after that. I'm, I'm surprised he got Bond after doing this, to be honest. But there you go. Anyway. <clears throat> 
Then we have uh, Jenny Wright, who was in Near Dark in 1987, then Iron Mad Man in 1989, and then did this and gave up on acting. But no. <laughs> Again, I'm not surprised. <laughs> we have uh, Mark Bringleson, who was in Ultra Warrior in 1990, The First Power in 1990, Assault on Dome 4 in 1996, and Soldier in 1998. Okay. Uh, we have... Uh, Jeremy Slate, who was in lots of TV series in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, and he did Curse of the Moonchild in 1972 and The Dead Pit in 1989. Uh, Colleen Coffey, who was in lots of TV series in the 1990s, and that's it. Uh, Jim Landis, who was in 976 Evil in 1988, which is actually not a bad film, to be honest. Uh, then we have Jeffrey Lewis. Now, Jeffrey Lewis was in uh, Wolf of, uh, Moon of the Wolf in 1972, loads of TV series stuff in the 70s, Human Experiments in 1979, did loads of TV stuff in the 1980s, and he was in Night of the Comet in 1984, Annihilator in 1986, Out of the Dark in 1988, Disturbed in 1990, loads of TV series in the 90s as well, uh, Trilogy of Terror 2 in 1996, Song of the Vampire in 2001, did loads of TV series in the 2000s. Uh, Light in the Darkness 2002, The Fall of Ones 2005, The Devil's Rejects in 2005, Fingerprints 2006, Wicked Little Things in 2006, and Mummy's Little Monster 2012. Uh, there you go. Um, Dean Norris. Uh, was in loads of TV shows in 1980s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. He did Total Recall in 1990, Gremlins 2, The New Batch in 1990, Terminator 2, Judgment Day 1991, It Came From Outer Space 2 in 1996, Gattaca in 1997, Starship Troopers 1997, The Cell 2000, The One 2001, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark 2019 and Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark 2, which doesn't actually, actually have a release date. Uh, so there you go. He's quite well known. You'd know him if you see him. Yeah, he's. he's I've, I do find this that I was sitting there for ages looking at him like, and I recognise him. I recognise him. What's his name? <laughs> it's only when I looked up, like, come see Gary. Yeah. And I'm sitting there for ages. It just bugged me. <laughs> Then we have Troy Evans, who was in, again, loads of TV stuff in the 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010. He was in Teen Wolf in, in 1985, Near Dark 1987, Deadly Dreams 1988, uh, Martians Go Home 1989, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers in 1989, Demolition Man in 1993, Phenomenon in 1996, The Frighteners 1996, My Favourite Martian in 1999, um, where are we? Dracano or Dr Dracano, Dracano, I think it is, because it's supposed to be dragons coming out of a volcano. Dracano in 2013. Yeah, uh, then we have uh, Rosalie Mayo, uh, which it was in TV series in, two, in the 1990s and 2000s and was in a film Blast from the Past in 1999. Uh, then we have, lastly, Austin O'Brien, who was in Last Action Hero in 1993, Apollo 13 in 1995, and Lawnmower Man 2 in 1996. Um, there you go, then. <laughs>
that's the cast for the film. The synopsis for this film says on IMDb, it says, a simple man is turned into a genius through the application of computer science. Which seems really reasonable. And it's basically what the whole film was about. Now, I want to start off saying that I think that, uh, okay, this is name up now, Brett Leonard has a problem with virtual reality. He seems to think that people, people involved in virtual reality or the people within virtual reality are going to try and take over the world and destroy the universe and everybody in it. Because that's basically what this is all about and basically what virtuosity was all about. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, it's almost becoming maybe his sort of cry for help, I think. He's, he, he, when I, first, when I uh, watched this, I watched, I watched the way through it and it's come up, obviously credits come up and it said his name and I was like, Hang on a minute. <laughs> I, I, I almost wanted to Google him and just sort of figure out if he if he had any conspiracy theories going or just just. No. Other than that, he's just got a massive fascination with VR stuff. So, okay, apart from that aside, what did you think of the film? Um. Well. Some of the I will I'm gonna start this off, Matt, and some of the some of the shots at the beginning with that were meant to be over the shoulder of the monkey or on the head of the monkey. Through the eyes of the monkey, yeah. Yeah. Even though it looked like it was on his head. Oh my days. I'd like I don't be wrong. I know this is 30 years old, this film. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the film was made a year after I was born. I, I would like to think that, like myself, a lot of things have aged quite well from the 90s. I hate to say that I don't think this film has. <laughs> I, I would, I, yeah. The effects, uh, both the ones from the, the camera of the monkey and also the VR effects uh, in the beginning, of it, well, in almost all of it, in the beginning part of it especially, are not the greatest effects I've ever seen. They they are um, somewhat lacking. Yeah. So I know this was early on. This was early on in the, the whole CGI thing and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But even so, but so, so for the yeah for early on early on CGI it's okay. Like the um, and sort of later on in the film when they're doing the more hand motion and stuff like that, it is okay. It's, Better. It does look quite good, but is uh, that's as much as I'm going to say about it. If you look at it, the effects in Virtuosity, which is only three years later, were ten times better than this. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think the only the only good thing this had about it is this the actual science behind the VR set, and yeah, but even okay. that really is sort of mentioned probably once or twice and then that's it but say okay i mean the first thing i've got to talk about in this the first thing i've got to say in this is just how and i know this is a personal thing i know this is a very personal thing but how truly awful pierce brosnan is as an actor in this film <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> I, I just kind of watched it and thought I've seen you in films where you are so much better than this. Yeah. 
Um, it's it's stupid. I actually think his his performance in Mars Attacks, where he really is only in it for a couple of minutes, is ten times, million times better than this. This it's it's just really kind of for for quite. I mean, it must have had a reasonable budget with the people they've got in it, and with what the company was made by, and all that kind of thing. But it, it's really kind of cheesy and cheap. I will I will say as well. It does. Was it me or did the set design for the lad look like sort of the one that they've been used in Virtuosity? Yeah, it may well have been. Same sort of set design, but it's a very bizarre. Like the it's it's actually quite weird for because I was watching this and I thought to myself that this is there. This film's thirty one, thirty years old. Some of the stuff they were saying about the way that VR was going to go, virtual reality, has actually happened now, sort of, that a lot of people have got into doing it and have used it to escape. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see that. There are some things, but... But, yeah, the... The Pierce Brosnan gives this complete, like, real sort of, like, you know, thing about how virtual reality is going to be the saviour of mankind. It's going to give us the ability to educate people better, to deal with uh, mental health problems better, to, to make a, a whole system better. The mankind will become better because of this, and we will you know, go out and stride amongst the stars and be giants in the world. You're overselling it a bit, mate. It's yeah. virtual reality headset. It's <laughs> oh, it's the thing that made me laugh. My thing that made me laugh though is the fact that it's sitting there, and as soon as as soon as I see what was going on, this is before like it was almost sort of obvious what was going to happen. But it's sitting there saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make this virtual reality headset. It's gonna be it's gonna make the world better." And I straight away went, "Military going to get involved." Well, this is the thing. The thing that gets me is I, I find it very hard to believe nowadays. And I know, as you say, the age of this film and all that sort of thing. But I find it hard to believe that any scientist looking back through history or watching a science fiction film for five minutes would not think that any invention they make is going to be weaponized by the government. Yeah. It happens every single time. Yeah, it's, it's, Why would you be surprised by that? Yeah. <laughs> and it's the thing, it's the thing is that as I was talking to... I was talking to my mum about this. I was, I had to pause it, and I just ranted. <laughs> and even she said the same thing. It's just the fact that it's, it seems to be almost that in these, in a lot of these films, especially a lot of the older films, anyway. But it's almost in a, in a, the films and all that are based in a universe where no one's ever seen a film, and no one has any common sense. Well, it's like just looking back at history. You yeah, look back a few hundred years to see the way that. Ordinary, everything, ordinary Every, things that people have invented yeah. have been used for, for weapons. And yeah. it's just kind of like, how would you be surprised that that's happened? Why is it? Yeah, especially as the Fed is going to be a... Thing, why would you think that you could just turn around and go, no, I'm not agreeing to that, and walk away, and everything will be fine? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, the thing is as well, that he, with this film, is the fact that Pierce Brosnan's character blatantly crosses that whole ethics line where he sits there and goes, can't be used for war, can't be doing this, can't do that. We need to make sure it's tested properly. Yet does it unawarely to the guy that is cutting his grass. Yes. He just suddenly starts doing <laughs> human experiments yeah. with it. 
Yeah. Any kind of backup, without any kind of check. Any, you don't know what's wrong with this guy. The guy might be yeah. might have huge physical and mental health problems that you can't see. Yeah. It might be it might, it, by this thing. It might not be the fact that he's he's a learning difficulty. It might be a brain injury. It might be it's straight away. It's just like oh, let's just inject him. Like, yeah. I think there's a code of ethics going wrong there somewhere. <laughs> it's also interesting how um, there is this definite idea that people who have some kind of uh, learning difficulty or or um, mental health problems or whatever uh, for some reason also can't physically hold themselves upright yeah because he went from being this kind of slightly doubled over sort yeah. of like, hunched over, kind of like over to... huge you know and you just think why was that then yeah. Was, was the weight of his brain being, and, <laughs> being not clever? And the fact that it's just nine, uh, with it, and in a lot of film, it's the fact that they're, they're either hunched over and sort of deformed or it, and can't seem to look after themselves, like can't brush their hair. I know a lot of people, I know a few people that have got quite severe mental health issues and uh, learning difficulties, but yet still know how to use a hairbrush. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just like, it, but even, I mean, away from that, it, it, the whole situation of the film. Oh, just all of it. It just is, is a bit kind of like, well, I don't get why why it got so bad. So it was, it was allowed to get so bad. So, and that, but by the end of it, obviously, I mean, this, this guy is a genius and he wants to take over the world because obviously as a genius, that's the thing we want to do. You, what you want to do is you want to eradicate all the problems in the world and make sure everything's wonderful. And the way you do that is by taking over and telling everyone what to do. Well, the thing is that he never actually said that he was going to take over. And what he said was he was going to help humanity help themselves out to cure the planet. He never yeah. said once that he was going to get rid of them. Here's Brosnan's character and the rest of them automatically assumed that he was going to take over and kill them all. Yeah. So, but in the end, he, he, he kind of gets trapped inside the virtual reality thing by Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, I've, I've got, I've got, I have got time to say that really just blatantly in the way that he was just set up. It's the fact that when they're all going to the base, yeah, there's loads of the uh, security guards, heavily armed security guards, and then outside the base. Mm. Now, they all get uh, attacked, and they all run off with their weapons. Uh, I went back and checked. Uh, Here's Brosnan's character then turns up, goes into the base, and just happens to find a fully loaded, with, with ammo and everything, gun, laying on the side of, leaning up against the fence, like you've been placed yeah. for a start. But, I was happy I mean, to use it. This this um this guy is obviously you know he, he gets the ability through the the AI uh, through the uh, VR stuff to to take over people's minds and to control everything in the in the universe, including people's psyches and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And and you know he he can he's got telekinesis and he's got um you know he he can. Can make people mind. Make, yeah, make people spontaneously combust. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, although the spontaneous combustion graphics were bloody awful, not as bad as if like somebody drawing with a pen. Not as bad as the three people that turned into marbles. Yeah, I didn't quite get 
that what were they what was going on the in? second guy when he opened his chest or when he opened his top what that was a vortex in his chest yeah. the, the third guy didn't actually disappear like the others did he just kept kind of expanding and contracting yeah for some bizarre reason um but then yeah so they try and trap him in there and uh Pierce Brosnan blows the place up and the uh, everything ends da -de -da -de -da. yes Supposedly. Everybody well, yeah. lives marginally happy lives in the world it is without you know where everything just goes wrong. That leads us on to the second film. Now, the second film, surprisingly enough, is called Lawnmower Man 2. <laughs> Beyond Cyberspace. Now, this is directed and written by uh Farhad uh, Man. Now, Farhad Man, up until this point, had basically done TV films and TV series in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and nothing else. Now, he wrote the original story and the screenplay to this. The other person who wrote the story with him was Michael Miner, who also had to do with the writing of Robocop in 1987 and the Robocop TV series in the 80s. Every single one of all of the Robocop TV, movies, and video games. And Anaconda's The Hunt for the Blood Orchid in 2004. Bit of a, <laughs> bit of a strange... Yeah, thing. that's a bit of a, bit of a weird jump. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the lead role in this is... Uh, well, the two lead roles. Patrick Bergen, uh, who did lots of TV series and movies in the 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Including EastEnders, apparently. I don't remember him being in EastEnders, but there you go. Uh, he was in Escape Velocity in 1999, uh, Merlin the Return in 2000, mm -hmm. Devil's Prey 2001, Belief Not Beneath Loch Ness in 2001, Ghostwood in 2008, and Shark Week in 2012. He did make some very good films at different times, though, as well, including a, quite a decent version of Robin Hood, which unfortunately was completely overshadowed by the version with um, with uh, thingy in the one uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, it was came out around the same sort of time, but it wasn't a bad film. But it was completely overshadowed by the other one. The other lead role in this is played by Matt Frewer. Now. I actually like this man as an actor. He's Matt Frewer has done a lot of series, TV series and TV movies in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. I'll come on to something about that in a moment. He did Supergirl in 1984, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in 1989, Dawn of the Dead in 2004, Watchmen in 2009, Night of the Museum, Secret of the Tomb in 2014, Pixels, but he was only a voice character in that in 2015, and Residue in 2017. Now, the reason I said I would come back to that is because Matt Frewer was the man behind the character Bax Headroom in the TV movie and TV series and the later uh, video thing where there were lots of music videos with Max Headroom being the DJ on the show. So just you need to bear all that in mind. Uh, the other, other people, Austin O'Brien was in this as well who had previously been in Little Merman 1. Uh, and then we have uh, 
Ellie Pujay, Pujay, Pujay? No. Uh, she did loads of TV series and films in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Uh, she was in The Rift in 1990, Death Machine in 1994, which for some reason I want to watch just because it's called Death Machine. Yeah. Um, Total Reality in 1997. Uh, and then we have Kevin Conway, who was in TV in the 70s and 80s. He did The Slaughterhouse Five in 1972 and Fun House in 1981. Um, Yes. Now, <laughs> the synopsis for this on IMDb. Now, the last film, that synopsis I read out was the full synopsis on IMDb. I'm going to read you now what was the synopsis that came up initially on IMDb, which is after the destruction of virtual space industries at the end of the first film, Job is discovered in the rubble and is brought to the facilities of Jonathan Walker, where his fate is reconstructed, face is reconstructed and he's put back online. There are another three pages of the synopsis on IMDb. <laughs> which basically tell you what went on in the film that wasn't included in the film. Because there's nothing in the film that says, shows you that his face was reconstructed. Because when they take him out of the rubble, he looks exactly like Matt Frewer. Yeah, they always said about the fact that when they rebuilt his, his arm and his legs, I think they went to they were gonna do. So he looked like Matt Frewer when he came out. My big problem, one of my big problems for this whole thing, and I know it happens quite often in sequels, is nowhere in this entire movie. Is it ever mentioned that the main character does not look anything like the main character as he looked in the first film? Even by the one person in this film that knew him in the first film. Yeah, yeah, I he jumps up in the beginning, or when they meet, showed him the lawnmower and went, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, oh, Job. Yeah. I, just, I don't recognise you, but I don't recognise you because you don't look like you. But that's the lawnmower, so it yeah. must be you. you. Don't look or sound or, or you're not even the same height of what you were <laughs> back then. And I know obviously people change over time, but not that much. <sighs> Just... Yeah. But then again, yeah. I'm confused because of the fact that it's it starts off with them refinding or finding Joe. Yep. And reconstructing him in whatever way they did. And then all it says was, and then it comes up saying the future. Yeah. It doesn't say how, how far into the future. But looking at the age difference that the boy is meant to be from the first film to the second film, it looks like it's only been two years. Well, you see, the first film was in 1992, and the second film was in 1996. So it's only actually four years. Yeah. Um, from what was meant to happen in the the time span of the planet by the looks of it yeah it would have happened more than four years i know now <laughs> the two main things i have with this film straight off the bat is whereas in the first film you had a monkey that had been trained to react and use this uh, virtual reality stuff and could therefore let itself out of the cage and out of the the facility which is a little bit of a leap of of belief Anyway, yeah, but especially okay. as in the first one, the monkey lock okay. Yeah, but okay. I mean, this monkey has been trained yeah. and it's been used. Okay. In this one, a bunch of teenagers managed to train their dog <laughs> to understand 
an, uh, an order from them in virtual reality to put a disk into the computer system to enable them to be able to ride motorbikes inside the virtual reality world they've got into. And the dog does it. Not only does the dog pick it out of his mouth and put it in the machine, but then uses his paw to push it in. Push it in, yeah. It's incredible. It's yeah. amazing what you can do with animals. Amazing what you can do when you've got the time to train it and nothing yeah. else. The so there's it. that. The next thing is the fact that Patrick Bergen's character, his professor, he's created this amazing uh, chip, which, to be honest, if you were to use this chip to build a computer with, the computer would be the size of a, of a, of a warehouse because it's not actually a chip. It's like a it's like it's a, a mini pyramid. pyramid. Yeah, it's a pyramid the size of like a what, it's about that big. Yeah, it's just it's about an inch tall. Yeah, I'd say it's at least this at least the size. Yeah, say probably the size of a coke can, like a, a, a drink can. Yeah. So anyway, he's created this right. This corporation have taken it off him, and and they take he takes them to court to try and make sure they can't take off him, but they win. Blah blah blah, as happens with lots of corporate things and all this kind of stuff. So he becomes a recluse. He goes away to the middle of nowhere, this desert, uh, almost desert area where there's like these mountains that he's living in, in a shack, and he seems to have reverted to being like a Native American. Mm-hmm. Which is quite interesting because he didn't look like a Native American. No, he looks, far, he, he looks the furthest thing from it. And there's nothing to say that he was. Anyway, so he, he does this, okay? This kid turns up, tells him about the, the Job and all this kind of stuff, and gives him a copy of a disc for him to watch this virtual reality thing on. Now, he has been shut off in this shack, which is just wood in the middle of a mountain, in the middle of a desert, for however long he's been there, okay? He's still got a working computer. He's still got electricity that he can plug this computer into, and he can still have still get access to whatever he needs to get to access to to be able to do that. And not only does it all work, but it's all up-to-date enough to play this new disc from a new system... <laughs> I've got, I've, I've had a laptop for a few years that's already out of date for a lot of stuff that I want to try and run on it. What computer yeah. did this bloke have? Well, before we get to that, I also like the fact that this kid meets up with Job in the VR set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They managed to record the whole conversation almost like it was done on film. Yeah. And we couldn't do it without a problem. They then, this kid then looks up on the, and he says he looks him up where this man lives. So he's not that much of a recluse if he's being able to be looked up. <laughs> not that much hidden away if people still know where he is. Yeah. Turn up. Turn, not only turn up and find him, but turn up on the, Motorbike that they use in the virtual reality set, and hand it over to him, and you're like then yeah then like you said then be able to use a computer and everything like that. But the fact that he doesn't question anything the kid says. Now, well, as soon as he mentions the disc, 
Well, you said, yeah, the, was it the, the, the chip, rather? Yeah, was it the... I can't remember. Okay, I can't remember what it was called. Oh, the Taron chip. I have no idea. Yeah. I, I lost, I'd lost interest by then. Uh, just... I, I just... I don't know. <laughs> so the rest of the film is pretty much just exactly the same as the first film. With, the, with Matt Frewer's character getting bigger and stronger and taking over more and more stuff and gradually trying to take over the world. Um, and again, it's pretty much echoes the first film in as much as the one thing that he doesn't want to do is hurt the kids. So he, because of that, helps them to, to win. My biggest problem with this film is every single time, as somebody who grew up, watching music videos and things a lot in the 1980s. I'm old enough to remember when MTV had music videos on, you know? I mean, that's how far, how far it goes back. Um, but my biggest problem is that every single time Matt Frewer turned up on the, the virtual reality thing, all in my, I could see in my head was Max Headroom. Yeah. I could just keep expecting him to, to keep turning around and just looking at the camera and going, and next up, more of the same. Just, <laughs> it was just... I just could not get Max Hedrum out of my head when I was watching it. It's the thing is, I think with this, he was trying too hard with sci-fi on this one. It was like we've seen films where they don't try hard enough or whatever. It's just right. This just seemed like everything they could do, yeah, to sort of make it look like it was the future. Yeah. Apart from the shack, um, <laughs> was like the car. Card that had the that was all square and even the bike, even the bikes. I don't understand now why the bikes were suddenly gone from being sort of round and stuff like that, which you can get nowadays mm. being square. Okay. Like suddenly in the future, no one could, no one knows what a curve is anymore. It's just I don't know. It's definitely what we said as well from the two thousand and two film to this one. The graphics seem to have got worse. <laughs> I just think <laughs> they had low, less budget. Yeah, but I just and the acting as well. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, the acting in this is absolutely abysmal. It yeah. really is. The, the best acting I saw out of the whole film was actually from the dog. <laughs> well, no, I think Matt Frew was the best thing about oh, the film. To be honest, Matt Frew, I've got to admit, I love, I love watching. But he, he plays, about... he plays bizarre and deranged very well. The thing about Matt Frewer is the fact that I never think, never can never take him seriously. He, no. he, he's a great comedian, but then other than that, but as I say, I kept seeing him as Max Hedrum, so that didn't help. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the shot, the shots of him in the in the gold, oh, the gold ones, the one, yeah. the one thing sort of. I sat there and I was just like, also, there was things like when you had people talking and you just had his head <laughs> on a TV in the corner in the background. It was just like. Somebody's watching Max Hedrum on TV. <laughs> it's the fact that well. it didn't help the fact that obviously he's he meant to play this sort of mad madman or mad or mad sort of VR sort of person. So he he has to laugh every now and again. So it just the problem is that when the others are talking and he's then doing it, all it does look like he's just broken character and sitting in the background laughing. Yeah, he just sits I think he's sitting there quite certainly and he just suddenly goes. <laughs> but, but it was bizarre. But it's uh, if you take these two films together, <laughs> right? If yeah. you were to take these two films together, if you were to take half of the ideas from Brainstorm, 
yeah. half of the ideas for virtuosity, nail them together on a bit of wood with some really bad acting and writing, then you get these two films. Yeah. The problem with it is that the ideas and the things they've taken from the other two films are the bits that didn't work. Is <laughs> the is the suddenly the bit the bits of the films where people will get scrap that and scrap that and someone went actually pass them in. Yeah. I'll get rid of them. <laughs> but it, I mean, to me, it says everything. When ID, IMDb have to have like three pages of synopsis to explain to you what's happening in a film that you could just sit and watch. What I think is weird, and I, I don't know whether or not this was me or not, but the one, the film that I, like the the version we watched, yeah. So the, the first one was almost two hours long, so an hour, I think, an hour and fifty that, minutes. That was actually a slightly longer version than the normal yeah. cinema release. That was the, uh, I can't remember what they call, what they called it now. Director's cut or whatever. It Something was. like that, yeah. But that seemed like quite a reasonable, reasonable length film. That, Number two is actually half an hour shorter, but felt like four weeks longer. <laughs> yes, I know exactly just, what you mean. It, I sat there at one point and I was like, this film is going on forever. And I, I looked know. at the timer, I was like, it's been on for 20 minutes. I felt like I've been sitting there for days watching it. I know, it is It is awful. It, it, it's, I mean, I know, I understand that it's made on a cheaper budget and all that kind of thing, but I'm not quite sure why they bothered making it. Because it didn't do anything, didn't add anything to anything. It, no, to, if anything, all it was was the first film just later on. Yeah. And it it was just... It was the only connection between it and the first film was, was the name of the character, not the actual character himself, and the, and the boy. I suppose the only, other, the only other connection was the, the first sequel, the last scene of the... First film, the last, the first scene, the last film, the second film, where it shows Harry escaped. Yeah, that's it. There's, that's the only it, connection. What at all? It, it's just, I mean, I don't know. I just find the whole thing just really weird. Why they would bother, and why? I mean, there was nothing more that needed to be said to the first film. It, it, it's <laughs> not like there was stuff left undone as such. It just could have been like you know he died in the, the explosion. There you go, done. Oh, even even the fact that like the fact that like obviously in the first one they go to leave and go off wherever they're going. Yeah, the phone starts. The phone ring, but even that there's there's no need to carry on. It's just like, yeah. and even if you are going to carry on, at least carry it on from a bit that makes sense, not from carry it on on the side of the film where nothing then makes sense and anything to do with the first one. No, it really. It was a, the second film was quite a pointless film that was made just to cash in on the first one. And the first one wasn't that great a success, so no. I wonder why they bothered. Um, I said the only the only good part of it was the metaphor and the dog. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's so. My advice to anyone out there would be: if you want to see a good film about virtual reality, right? Thank you. Uh, now, if you want, if you want to see a good film that's got to do with virtual reality or the uh, the 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 way that computers interact with the human brain, what I would suggest you do is watch Brainstorm. Ignore Lawnmower Man one and two. 
watch Brainstorm and maybe Virtuosity because that's quite a good action movie. But ignore these two films completely because they are pretty much garbage. Yeah, I, I, I do think, though, that like this... The the first one, Lawnmower Man one, might have been like the whole sort of, for, mainly for Pierce Brosnan, for someone saying, look, we'll give you James Bond, but you've got to do this first. <laughs> you've got to do this first, yeah. yeah. You've got to do this first, just to, just, to, just to prove that you, just as a sort of IOU. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll, get, we'll give you the role, but you've got to do this <laughs> It's a contractual obligation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll 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 pay to you in for the, the next hour of many Bond films. Actually, you've got to do this one. We know it's going to be rubbish, but you've now signed the paperwork, so you've got to do it. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, I don't know. I could forgive it if it was a comedy, but it's not. No, it's it's the fact that it genuinely tries taking itself seriously. Yeah, both of them do, and it's. Yeah, and the Scary. second one's even worse than that, to be honest. <laughs> it's too seriously. But there you go. So um, another week of, of fantastic movies that we would recommend you ignore uh, and, and keep well away from. Um, just our personal point of view, you understand. I mean, if you have a, if you have a difference of opinion. And I know that there are people out there who have a difference of opinion to us on certain things because I've had people... And you may find this hard to believe, Scott, but I've had people take issue with me over our feelings about humanoids from the deep. What? I have had people who tell me that they think it's a fantastic film. Well, they're obviously need to go and get a brain scan. Well, no, I mean, people are entitled to their opinions, however wrong they might be. But no, they're entitled to their opinions. It is a matter of opinion. It, you know, some people like films that other people don't. It's as simple as that. However, what I would say is that I find it very hard to believe that there are many people out there who would rate Lawnmower Man uh, 1 and especially Lawnmower Man 2 within anywhere near their top 100 science fiction films. I, do you know what? I don't think I'd even rate it in my top 1,000 films. So... If you do, if you rate it, if you think it's a it's a really good film, or you think that we are completely out of order in our in our, uh, in our um, review of this and, and our feelings towards it, then please let us know. We yes. are more than happy to hear everybody else's opinion. I'm more than happy uh, for you to come on and discuss your feelings towards it, if you would like to. Uh, if you have a well thought out and reasoned reason reasoned reason reasoned argument as to why we should like it we'd be more than happy to hear it i'd also like to know what medication to take and where i can get some um so during the meanwhile this is us we are and we have always been and we will be until we're not so without further ado or i don't or do or do what would you do da do dum dum uh, or something. Um, we will be seeing you next week. Now next week we're going or next time we will be doing the same thing again. Oh, yippee! But this time we will be looking at two stand or two horror films, a film and its only sequel. Oh. 
which I do agree with you. It's a lot harder than most people would think. This one is going back a little bit in time, though. We are going back to the annals of history. Well, not that far, actually. We're going back to the 70s, I think. But the advantage that this has over any other film that we ever review, have ever reviewed, is that the lead character in the uh, both of these films, um, which is good because the, the lead characters are played by the same person. Amazingly, I know. But the lead character in both of the uh, films that we will be doing next week is played by Vincent Price, who is possibly the greatest horror actor in the world. Um, also, so I am proud to say that I am partly named after. Absolutely. Yes. So next week we will be reviewing The Abominable Dr. Fibes and Dr. Fibes Rises Again. Uh, fantastic movies. So um, until then, thank you very much, Scott. That's okay. Glad and um, I'm sorry to have put you through watching these two films. Uh, thank you very much to anyone and everyone listening, watching, hearing, thinking, believing eating bananas or whatever else and we will see you next week bye bye the cypher film podcast Thank you.